Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pot Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 180. I am joined, uh, as always, by my co-host on Fridays, Prez. That's at Presidente. Prez, what's going on? Not much. Did some hooping today in the, uh, the gray weather here in D.C. outside, and now I feel like a old washed-up dude, which is par for the course, so... Um, Hitting this podcast live while uh, sticking my feet in a foot massager. Nice, nice. Uh, good to know. Good to know that we have confirmation that you're old. Yeah, um, that I'm old and sometimes have money to blow <laughs> and are washed up even too. I will say I played against a more old washed up guy and I embarrassed him several times. So all in all, a win for me today. Nice. Sounds like you found your level of competition then. Quite, quite. Um, all right, but before we get started, I do have to make an announcement that Strickland does have a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. Subscribe to it. There are a number of tiers. There's a six dollar tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this pod every Friday that I do with Prez. It also gets you access to the Strickland Discord, where we commiserate about the Knicks constantly, and we talk about other things. Uh, we like the draft, which is upcoming. Uh, you also get access to the mailbag that I do every other week with Jeremy and Drew. Furthermore, there's a $9 tier that gets you access to weekly articles by the wonderful Jack Hunley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best writers in the business, in the biz as they call it. Uh, And you also get access to me yelling even more about the Knicks on a solo podcast called Strick and Roll. Uh, If you want even more access to the Strickland and content we produce, there are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. Those get you access to additional perks like watch parties, uh, listening in on pod recordings, even potentially hosting a podcast alongside us. Uh, But whether you choose to subscribe or not, your support is appreciated. None of this would be possible without you. And without further ado, let's get started. Um, All right. So the Knicks won a very fun game yesterday uh, against the Charlotte Hornets. They won 121-106. One. Julius Randle did not play the game uh, as well. I, you know, I think this is actually worth mentioning because you know all the focus has been on oh, Julius didn't play. Uh, you know, Mitch didn't play either. So uh, we got a starting lineup of Obi Toppin and Jericho Sims in the front court. Um, the Knicks came out fucking hot as hell from three. I think they hit eight threes in the first quarter. They had twenty for the game, thirty assists. Dude, I thought the game started 30 minutes later than it did. So I was like, oh, 30 minutes. I probably didn't miss much. They already had 40. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. Um, I almost made the same mistake, and luckily I checked my fantasy because uh, I had to set my fantasy lineup. Mm-hmm. And luckily I have uh, Miles Bridges, and so I saw that he was playing at 7. So I logically deduced that the Knicks would also be playing at 7 because uh, I'm a smart guy. Um, but, yeah, no, it was – it was awesome. They played with pace. They got they shared the ball probably the best they'd have the entire fucking season. I wouldn't um, be surprised if that was if not the top then top five just most passes in a game for us. There's gotta be a way to look that up, right? Uh I know you can look up passes like on the season and all that, but I I haven't seen by game. Yeah, I, I know you could probably sort it by like last game, so you could see how many mm-hmm. passes they made for the last game, but I have no idea how you do it for most games. But yeah, I mean, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if that was the highest pace they played at the entire season. Um, Thirty assists on forty-three shots, mate. Forty-three made field goals. Yeah, that's, that's crazy for us. That's crazy. I mean, that's good for any team, but yeah. especially for us. Um, but yeah, I, I guess you know, watching it and everything, I, I know it, it lends itself exactly to the conversations about Julius and whatever has been going on with him this year and 
quite frankly, like, let's be honest, um, how we've played the last two years. Because even though last year we had plenty of success, we played in a very specific way, which involved a lot of the same stuff that we were doing this year, except Julius made more shots. He made better decisions with the ball. And, you know, obviously that led to more success. Funny enough, the offense, I think the offensive rating this year is roughly around the same, at least in terms of league ranking. But it feels a lot worse. And he, I mean, he obviously has been a lot worse. So uh, I guess just like, what are your thoughts um, having watched this game? Well, the first thing I'll start off saying is like, I didn't, I kind of just assumed that uh, like the Hornets were just, not tanking, but like I just kind of thought they were ass. Like before the game, I was like, "Oh, it's the Hornets! Like we'll have a chance, even without Julius." <laughs> and at some point in the game, I checked and I was like, "Oh, they're like competing for the plan. They're the ninth team after the loss yesterday, a game back from the Nets, which is crazy to me." And then I saw some people tweet like, "They're one of the best offenses in the NBA," and anecdotally, that doesn't surprise me because you know it seems like every time. I check box scores or fantasy win or loss. It's like win 140 to 130 or lose 140 to 130 or something like that. And, um, you know, like just watching them play yesterday, they got plenty of good shots, not like completely wide open, but not not wide open. And dudes like Isaiah Thomas are just breaking like miles was breaking. Lamella was scoring a lot, but um, I was like, Oh, I, I see why they're you know i i see why they're awful on defense but i also see why they're capable on uh on an offense they're just they got a lot of shooters and they spread the floor and yada 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 and obviously the mellow orchestrates the whole thing so like with that being said it was i, I at first it, it was jarring to me to see the pace that was the first thing i tuned in late and even after they had the the explosion because they kept it going and they were, you know, quickly running the point. Obviously, plays with a lot more pace than Burks and uh, and Julius. And having Obi in there, he he's a ball mover. I mean, as soon as he catches the ball, he's either handing it off or fake handing it off, or doing like his weird fake post up, face up, and then passing it. But whatever he decides, it happens within three seconds. So uh, I think it's faster than that. It happens like basically as soon as he catches it, he does something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's probably more accurate for sure. And then, you know, guys like guys who already normally play and are not averse to sharing the ball, like Fournier, Quentin, Taj, Deuce. Well, I guess Deuce doesn't normally play, but the other guys, um, those, I, I think one underrated thing about playing with pace is you enable the guys who are willing to, but don't always do it or show it. And, we saw that. We saw Taj have a lot of hockey assists. We saw a lot of hockey assists all around. And, um, you know, we talked about, we've talked a lot about Fournier on this podcast, and he's a perfect example. Like, I've talked ad nauseum about him being stuck in the corner in the Bullock role when he can play make. And he got some chances to play make from the top of the key, which is cool. And, you know, the guys were just pinging the ball around. And then you remember, like, oh, yeah. We act. I mean, we don't have elite passers on this team, but like R.J. Barrett, you'd say is a fine passer. Obi Toppin is probably a plus passer. Alec Burks, for a shooting guard, is a solid passer. Evan Fournier, for a shooting guard, solid passer. Quickly, for a point guard, solid passer. Like literally, most of these guys are solid passers, which is why it's kind of ridiculous that we play so much iso ball. It's okay to play iso ball if you have guys who are good at it, and you know Julius. Hasn't been good at it, but even if he was good at it, like, fine, play ISO ball for Julius, but you're allowed to cater to the strengths of your whole roster, not just one guy, you know? So um, it was almost like a reminder, like, of who we have. And this goes back to the thing we always talk about. And, you know, I don't want to go into a Tibbs rant right now or anything. Maybe you do, but it's just we haven't really, in my opinion, on offense played to the strengths of our roster all season long. And that's what has caused the perception, you know, that and the losses, of course, are what has caused the perception of both the team and the individual players to kind of plummet a little bit. And to go back to the, you know, where I started talking about standings, 
we are uh from the Hornets six games back, which is not nothing. That's quite a bit, but I don't think this Hornets team is that much more talented than I don't think they're more talented, period. Yeah, like aside like Lamelo's great, but he's he's still pretty young, right? I mean if Hayward's and he's still in, terrible on defense. Yeah, if Hayward's in then different. Hayward is exceptionally talented still when he's healthy, but he hasn't been, whatever. So like Rozier is he gets hot. Cool. Cool story, bro. Like whatever. So Exactly. I don't think every it goes back to the thing that we've always talked about, which is like everybody saying, oh, Tibbs doing the most with what he can. Like, this is just the roster we have. And I'm like, I just disagree. And it's not again, it's not there's a clear line of demarcation, in my opinion, between. Like the Celtics, Bulls, Cavs, and then after that, you have the Raptors who are they're just kind of weird. So I'm going to put them to the side like they have talent, but it's. Like they 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 haven't really they just have guys they haven't really optimized anybody yet but they got guys they're all just like eight feet tall or whatever and then you have the Nets who have obviously everything they got going on so given everything the Nets have going on how the Raptors are talented but not really more than the sum of their parts and young and then the Hornets and the Hawks who yeah I know the Hawks had like a shot making extravaganza versus us but they're not that good <laughs> we're three and one against them and sure yeah, you can yeah. tell me trey missed a game and they had injuries who gives it's a fine. shit like we, I mean, no, everybody has injuries nobody cares like nobody gives the a hawks are whatever like they're when bogey and trey are are hitting like they were hitting like it's fucking annoying but you just like dudes get hot man like that's what they're good at they give you one of those every once in a while and trey more than every once in a while so whatever anyway my point is if you maximize this roster, you could probably get within striking distance, if not flat out, just be in the mix for the uh, for the playing game. Even with Julius playing as annoyingly as he is, which which is the whole thing that's frustrating. So like, there's another alternate universe somewhere where Tibbs optimizes the lineup, Julius regresses, but not quite into the midlife crisis level regression that we've seen. And this team is firmly, like, where the Cavs are, which is, like, where we all thought they would be, right around 40 wins, give or take a couple, depending on luck. So it, it we'll get to the gossip and the articles and stuff later in the pod, but I, I bring all that up to say the difference between the disappointing season, large air quotes, and fine is really, you could, I'm pretty comfortable just blaming that on how we've used the team, how Tibbs has used the team. And when you think about that, it just, I'm sorry, it just makes me like, I don't agree with everything the front office does. Yes, if the Tibbs has a disagreement with like how the front office is, they should have worked that out before, not during. But like if Tibbs isn't a dickbag, horrible coach, then fact of the matter is we're looking at a team that's firmly in the mix for the plane, if not the seven or eight seed. And RJ Barrett is, also scoring 30 points or 25 points a game while doing that. And nobody's fucking complaining about anything. So that's why I'm not really worried about... Well, you know, people would still be complaining. Let's be realistic. I'm not. You're right. (laughs) I should say nobody is complaining. Berman's always going to be complaining. Berman's going to be complaining. State's going to be complaining. Right. So (laughs) State might not be complaining if if we did this the right way. He might be. man. He'd be saying almighty eight seed and shit. State would definitely (laughs) be complaining. That's true. You're right. Shout out State. We love you. You're right, but I wouldn't be complaining, and that's all I've done on this fucking bod with you for, like, five months, it feels like. So, it to get back to the game, like, it was just, forget all the, na- like, I, I know I just spent, like, ten minutes talking about the narratives and tibs or whatever, but... It was a fun fucking game. It was a fun fucking game, dude. Like, that style of, don't get me wrong, I absolutely loved Julius just surgically destroying people last year, but... There's just something inherently fun about pace and space ball movement shit. Like, we've seen it for years, right? Like, the Warriors at the peak of their powers. The Spurs at the peak of their powers. Like, it's just, that's fun, man. It's fun to watch. It's fun to be a part of when you're playing pickup. Like, that shit is fire. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, look. Yeah, the pace and space, I, I think this needs to be said, too. Like, the Hornets are terrible on defense i'm not even looking at it but i'm pretty sure they're either the worst or second worst defensive team in the league so that obviously helped the cause 
Um, I think at this point, it's safe to say any team that doesn't have a good rim protector is a team that RJ Barrett is going to score 25 in his sleep on. He's going to do work on that team. Um, it was also just... a good matchup for us to not have Mitch because they don't do their damage at the rim, except for in transition. Yeah, I, I think... Well, I'm going to save Mitch for later because I have a lot of thoughts about Mitch. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I think it was just a good matchup for us in general. I think it, I'll say this. We have played the Hornets twice before this, and those games were notable because they are a terrible defensive team, and yet we made them look so fucking good on defense. And so, and a lot of it was just flat out. They were so much more athletic than us. And I tweeted this this morning, but like one of the things that I have, I, I think this is, I actually, I, I don't even know if I have said this, but one of the things I have thought all year is that this team is more athletic than it shows, that it can play with more pace than it does play with routinely. And that a a large part of the reason it doesn't is who you are selecting to play and the lineups you're choosing to play. And if you're selecting to play like Alec Burks and Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker and Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle, if that's your starting lineup, guess what's going to happen? You're not going to, you're just not going to score. You're not going to run a lot. You're not going to play with a lot of pace. And athletic teams that suck on defense can magically look good against you on defense because they can switch everything and they're flying around and they're doing this. And not only that, on defense, it exacerbates your worst issues. Like, you watch some of the possessions Charlotte had yesterday, and yes, they they missed some open threes, and they always have good ball movement, and blah, 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 blah. But, like, you watch generally how hard they had to work to get open shots, and how many shots of those, yeah, they might have been open, but you had a guy running at you, coming, like, trying yeah, as hard as he could. after, play. like, several passes. Yeah. Like, you watch that, like, that is a palpable difference between the first two games between these two teams. Because those two games... I mean, I'm just saying flat out. Julius Randle was em- embarrassing in both those games. Yeah, like, Miles. I didn't. I know Miles exploded Miles, in one game. Ma- Miles he, destroyed him both games. He yeah. destroyed him in both games. He killed him at the Garden, especially. But he killed him in the first game, especially down the stretch. Had an embarrassing and one on him that was just pathetic. I think he also stuffed him at the rim. Um, Julius has been embarrassing all season. Like he's been a pathetic NBA player. He's been a pathetic version of himself. He's probably been the worst he's been since his first, like, his actual first year in the NBA. So not his rookie year, which was, like, seven minutes and he broke his leg, but his actual first year in the NBA. This is probably the worst he's played since then. Without looking up any numbers or stats or on-off or impact, this is terrible. He's been absolutely terrible. He's provided no energy. He's provided no leadership. He's actually actively detracted from both of those elements of the team. He's sapped energy away from the team. He's been a horrible leader, an absolutely horrible, pathetic, just garbage leader. I mean, you talk about what team has the worst leadership in the NBA. You could throw Julius up there this year because he's been a fucking shit show. And it's been embarrassing to watch. It's been frustrating to watch. And we've had a coach who's enabled it because for whatever reason, he can't, he can't, you know, hold him accountable in any way. He can't cut his minutes. He can't play Obi more when Obi's playing well. Who the fuck knows why? Um, It's been pathetic to watch. And one thing, that was the main difference. Obi Toppin was awesome yesterday, but it wasn't... 40 minutes. Yeah, he, he played way. 40 minutes, by the way. If you look at his... He had, what, 18, 11, and 6 or something like that? 18, um, 11, 6, 1, and 1 on 11 shots. Yeah, and he was 2, 2, 4 from 3. Like, that's basically what his first 36 numbers are. So, magically, apparently, if you give Obi Toppin more minutes, he does produce very much in line with what his rate stats would say. Wow, what a coincidence. Um, Again, I'm not... Who knows how it would work out over a longer sample, but... It does. I mean, these last two games, especially, have just made it so fucking clear how embarrassing and pathetic and stupid and short-sighted and detrimental to him personally that the like our our management of him and his minutes over his first one and whatever one point nine seasons or whatever the fuck you want to call it in the NBA have been. It's been atrocious. I think the front office deserves blame and Tibbs deserves blame for not designating it more important. He needed to be on the floor more. He's deserved to be on the floor more. We've talked about it endlessly. I don't give a shit where those minutes come from. If they come from Julius Randle, thank fucking God. If they come from Mitchell Robinson, who still, who still, by the way, can't play more than like five minutes in a row without sucking wind like he's Schwinnie Poo at open run or something. Um, Like, yeah, I I don't give a shit. Take minutes from him. If it means that 79-year-old Taj doesn't step in every time we have an injury, so be it. If it means Nerlens Noel never plays for the Knicks again, fantastic. Fan-fucking-tastic. If it means that Jericho Sims didn't play until later in this, who the fuck, I don't care where those minutes came from. None of, he, none of these things are 
dramatic. He needed to play more. He needed yeah, to play that's, more. That's the shittiest part. Is like we're not asking extreme measures here. Like all of those things are very reasonable. And it's it's stupid that he didn't play more. And now we're seeing it, and I'm happy we're seeing it because all of the defensive tibs and the ridiculous fucking insane pathetic water carrying of not enough talent he can't trust these guys closers fucking this that shut up just shut up because you're embarrassing yourself right now you're embarrassing yourself and what makes it even more embarrassing is this i'll tell you what makes it even more embarrassing <laughs> we saw we saw yesterday that tibbs magically when he is forced to when he has to play these young guys and he has to play to their strengths and he has to play these lineups that he doesn't necessarily want to play all the time Guess what happens? Magically, Tom Joseph Thibodeau, Thomas Joseph Thibodeau, the most 1993, stuck in 1993 coach that there is in the NBA. All of a sudden, this guy looks like Mike D'Antoni on the sideline or something. Sands, well, maybe not entire, in, 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 in its entirety, not so much like when he like rage quits on Jericho Sims with three minutes left in the game. Um, but like, all of a sudden, this guy can coach a modern team. So, like, well, I don't know what that says, but what it does say to me, to some extent, is that the way we have been playing, however you want to blame this between Julius and Tibbs and the front office, the actual way we have played on the fucking court this year is 100%, and you can split it up however the fuck you want, between Julius and Tibbs. It's between Julius and Tibbs. I don't care how you want to split it up. Those two guys are the biggest reason we have played this miserable, soul-sucking brand of basketball for most of this season. And however you want to split that up, that's on those two guys. It's not on R.J. Barrett. It's not on Kemba Walker sucking ass. It's not on Evan Fournier struggling when he first started. It's not on Emmanuel Quickly not being a true point guard. It's not about Derrick Rose's injury. It's not about fucking Alec Burks being forced to play a role that he should have never been asked to. No, it's not about any of those things. This is about Tom Thibodeau and Julius Randle having a toxic relationship and being unable to get out of their own way to change it until circumstances have forced it. And who knows? Maybe Julius sat there the last two games, saw the way the ball was moving around and how these guys are having fun, and maybe it changes how he views how this team can play and maybe he trusts guys more no, and he's going to... Who knows? No, no. Who knows? Probably not. Probably not. But who knows? Maybe some, maybe it takes that. But whatever the case is, all I know is what we saw yesterday, that should be the goal. Playing like that should be the goal. And I'm not saying there's nothing to clean up because obviously the defense can improve. You know, I still think that like, you know, I mean, I thought I actually thought it was pretty interesting. I thought quickly did a really good job of handling traps they were throwing at him because it's funny because the Hornets can't actually play defense. They have to do these like crazy aggressive things on the perimeter to try and. IQ is really good at uh, handling traps, but normally I don't like jump passing. But he he has to he well he has to and he jump passes with a plan. It's not just like jump because I'm athletic and I'm trying to figure some shit out. He, Only Obi like, can do that. Yeah, Obi's like, hmm, let me jump, check the time, say what hi time? to my mom in the crowd. <laughs> what time is Batman playing tonight? Uh, right, say hi to Dolan and Wes, and then oh pass in the corner like <laughs> boom but yeah i i just think like you just saw so many good th- and here's the other this is the other fucking thing about last night this is the other thing not even just last night the last two nights this is the other thing about last night whatever you think about evan fournier who like I'll, i gotta also say this like i think people need to stop like victory lapping the evan fournier contract too all right let's calm down like he i'm happy he had a bunch of threes this year and he's been fine but that's what he is he's fine he's fine I don't think anybody needs to be victory lapping that Evan Fournier is fine on that contract. It is Evan Fournier does a few things very well. He does some things exceptionally poorly also. He's a fine NBA player making an acceptable NBA contract who at some point will become useful salary flow for the Knicks. In the meantime, he's going to knock down threes. He's going to spread the floor and probably four or five times a game, he'll do something that you're like, are you stupid? And that's it. That's what Evan Fournier is. Nobody needs I'll to tell you what, I'll tell you what I'm taking victory laps. Not necessarily over the contract, but over just dunking on people. That's what I'm taking victory laps on because people wanted to pretend a that like it, it, the the reason the contract didn't sit well with people is there's two reasons. One is people don't know don't have a a sense of scale for what contract equals what kinds of player. They still think 17 
seventeen million dollars is some pocket change away from a max guy in their head. It's basically it's like he's making Karis Levert money. Is Karis Levert a better player than Evan Fournier? Maybe I don't know. Like he probably has a more in a good situation. Maybe depends who's in the better situation. This is what I'm saying about Fournier. Like he's fine. He's like he's fine. I, I get I get that. I get that. But I I also don't think like. Like, those people are stupid. Like, this is the thing. The people that have been, like, shitting on Fournier, like, and I'm not talking about, like, initially at the start of the season when he was playing, like, ass, like, there was a point where it's like, okay, yes, I understand he's not being used right, and he's making an adjustment. Most people don't know. You understand that, but most people still don't understand that. Most people see, like, I saw so many tweets about, like, oh, he's fine. Oh, he broke the Starks record. Oh, like, fifth in the NBA in threes. Like, people don't know that, like, his solution, his self-designed solution to Tibbs' idiocy was, I'm literally going to create the hardest corner three-point shot diet in the history of the NBA. And that's what I don't think people fucking understand. Like, he's shooting 44% from the corners, shooting, oh, this is supposed to be the easiest shot. And because of this fucking team, he has to shoot, like, fading out-of-bounds corner threes and sidestep corner threes like he's fucking Kobe Bryant or something. And yesterday, we finally got a sense of, you know, oh, yeah, he can play make a little bit from the top. He can shoot off the dribble away from the top. And one quick tangent, one thing I love about uh, him and RJ lately is people, you know, one of the pushbacks I would sometimes get to like, oh, let Evan play make at the top is like, no, RJ needs those reps. I agree. That's the most important thing, RJ getting those reps. But not either or a lot of possessions in the game, especially, number one, if you have point guards who push the pace that let you do more than one thing in one play. And number two, shout out RJ because he's been doing this thing over the last couple of games. Well, he's been doing lots of things, but one awesome thing he's been doing is the way he attacks um, when he gets the ball off of a rotation, like someone passing it to him with the defense bent when our team passes like yesterday, which is awesome to see. Like we haven't even got to see RJ operate in that because of Julius and Tibbs. He hasn't had many chances to attack bent defenses. Usually if he gets the ball from Julius or fucking Burks or whatever, it's it's a grenade at the end of the shot clock or it's uh, we're giving it to you for a kick out for a three, take the three. And he does this thing now where he catches the ball for a bent defense and it doesn't ma- it literally doesn't matter what two players are in front of him. He's just like Goal, goal line fucking plays. Well, I don't know the proper football terminology, but he's he just catches it. He doesn't do a crossover. He doesn't do a hezzy. He just goes, and he might do a Euro. He might bump into people, and he's become so good at it. And that's the kind of stuff that you do when you're, you play with pace. You have teams that pass that allow you to get playmaking from multiple players. So all this shit about like, oh no, how could Tibbs possibly come up with a a scheme that allows Fournier to play make at the top, but also allows Julius and RJ to play make. Bro, it's not that fucking difficult. It's really not that difficult. It's called team basketball, and every other fucking team in the NBA does it except the New York Knicks. So anyway, that's all I, I just wanted to say. Cause like, yes, he's fine. The contract isn't some. It's not magically some steal now. Whatever. He's eventually gonna get traded. Yeah, but... and, 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 and like, let's. The other thing is like, it also magically doesn't mean that like now there are. 20 teams in the NBA that are like, yo, we got to get this Fournier contract on our books. Like, yeah, we just need this motherfucker here right now. <laughs> like, right. Now, that's like, yeah. right. now it's, now it's, now it's like our purpose now. Yeah. It's, he's, he's, he's hooping, and then eventually he'll be hooping for someone else, hopefully, while we get a star. <laughs> like, that's cool. Shout out. I hope we like Salt Lake. Probably a lot different from Paris, but, you know, what are you going to do? Well, you know, Rudy's in both places, so that's good for him. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. He'll be yeah. fine. But, like, <laughs> Yeah, I just, I just think like, yeah. And to your point, the other thing too is like, people like this is why I cannot separate Tibbs's culpability from Julius's. Yeah, because because yes, Julius might be Julius probably is hijacking the offense. Probably not. He probably is. I'm not gonna. Sure, fine. He's hijacking the offense. Let's just let's just assume he is. If you're the motherfucking coach and you can't get him aligned, then what the fuck are you doing? Like, that's the reality. Like, He's not I'm LeBron so- James, yeah. bro. <laughs> and I'm sorry, like, you can sit there and be like, well, the front office shouldn't have re-signed him, and the front office shouldn't have this, and they empowered him. And like, The front okay. office did their job. They got a player to a value deal. Even now, with his shit play, he's not an Albatross. So. If, if he plays well for like two months, it'll be teams that would love to have him on their team. That's like, that's the, just the reality. Even now, even yeah. now, I'm, I'm 100% certain that some other teams are like, 
I'm gonna call and see what the price is because this is a buy low. Straight up. Yeah, I, I'm very confident if the Knicks wanted to just like unload his money and do nothing else but that, they could do that. Like, yeah, it I, wouldn't it wouldn't they wouldn't have to like give up, you know, Grimes or a first or whatever, but they could do it for a fucking New York pretzel probably. Yeah, I don't think that's like a huge crisis for them. Um that said, uh I just think that like if you can't if Tibbs okay, if Tibbs if the defensive Tibbs is he couldn't he can't rein in Julius. Then all you can say is that, like, okay, so he can't rein in Julius, so he can't blame him for that. The front office didn't get him a point guard, so he can't do anything. Like, if these are the things that you're saying, then you're basically just saying that he can't do anything and he's helpless, and that therefore, like, then I, I don't. You're really saying have- he can't control the players off the court. You're saying he can't come up with a creative scheme on the court. And you're saying he can't do anything unless he has the exact stars that he wants. That's a bad coach. All If I said, I'm hiring a bad coach, here are the job requirements, that would be the job requirements. Yeah, so I, I don't, he's just done a bad job this year. Now, if you want to, if you want to argue, and this is, this could be a fair argument. If your argument is that, well, if you can get rid of Julius, the rest of these pieces, like Tib, Tibbs can make that work and he'll be fine with that. Like, I could, I could see that. I could he could. See that. He yeah. could. I could he could that. not, but he yeah. could also. Like could. I could see it going either way. I I would venture to guess the odds would be more in his favor that the team would look fine, especially on defense. I'm not worried about that element of it at all. No, no, no. the yeah. defense, even with fucking Julius and Evan, like I, I think it was you who said it on the last pod or on Twitter. Like the non Kemba minutes, we've been pretty solid. They're, they were. They've been. I, I don't know. I haven't checked since I tweeted it, but it was like. It was like a one hundred seven point eight net or net rating or not net rating, sorry, defensive rating with in the non Kemba minutes, and that's basically like the fourth best defense in the NBA. College basketball fans join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. You cust- new customers can bet five dollars on any team to win and get two hundred dollars in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. You can still join the college hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like, who will make it to the next round? And who will hit the most three-pointers? Then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook 21 plus. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. If you or someone else you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. That's for Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP, that's for Arizona, 1-800-522-4700, for Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777, visit httpccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF, that's for Iowa, 1-877-770-STOP, and, or text 7867, or sorry, that's 7867, uh, for <laughs> Louisiana, 877-8-HOPE-NY, or text Hope and Live 467 New York. Visit opgr.org for Oregon. Call text TN, call or text TN Redline 1 800 889 9789 Tennessee, or 1 888 532 3500 for Vermont. 21 plus 18 or over in New Hampshire or Wyoming. Must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey. New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Vermont, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See httpdraftkings.com slash sportsbook for details. We'll get into Mitch, but like he's fine. He's pretty good at a rim protector. There's just other things that he's annoyingly shitty at. Um, Taj, not a good rim protector, but good at all the other center stuff most of the time. Um, you have guys like Burks who he he had the rough, you know once his minutes piled up it was hard to watch but like on defense he's been mostly fine at the point of attack Fournier has sucked but if you're talking about guard minutes most of the guard minutes are going to Burks 
and quickly. And those guys are solid defenders, yeah. right? Like, it's I, I mean, the, that, the, and then Grimes came in later. Obviously, he's good. Yeah, I mean, look, here's uh, here's the thing. I mean, forgetting all that, like, yeah, if you just told me that Tibbs could coach this team without Julius and they would be fine and they would play like they did yesterday and that would be largely like if my biggest if literally if my biggest issue with all of this would be that like quickly wouldn't play enough but like everything else that we saw right. yesterday is Relevant, broadly solid competition yeah. if everything else is broadly the same then i would be i would be like okay i can sign up for that i can yeah, take absolutely. i can do that for another year not a problem i'll i'll do it and i you know quick, quickly probably would play more but whatever it's fine like i could sign up for that if that was going to be the big issue i could sign up for that but i don't know if Julius is going to be gone and ultimately at some point you're going to have a star you're going to get a star or at least you hope to get a star if Tib- like tibbs has shown now in Chicago, he had issues with Jimmy Butler and getting Jimmy Butler and Derek. Like, like he still had Derek Rose, who was no longer Derek Rose, obviously. And he had Joe Kim Noah, who was no longer Joe Kim Noah. And then he had Jimmy Butler coming up, and they clashed heads, and he could not get that to work. At the his last year in Chicago was very miserable, had a lot of issues internally that led over that bled over to the next coach. Whatever the issue being, the point being, he couldn't get that blended. He couldn't make it work. Okay. Goes to Minnesota. We don't even need to go into the details because we know that between Cat and Jimmy Butler, that was a disaster. He did not manage it well. Now, you can say that a lot of that was, you know, him as a president was unable to help out him as a coach. And I, I won't necessarily disagree with you because he could have just traded Jimmy after that one season together and moved on. And we probably would have never really known, like, the extent of how pissed off everybody was at each other. But he didn't. But it doesn't matter. The point being is, we do know that. And that was on him as a coach. He never addressed it. He never controlled Jimmy. Never got him to kind of like... And Jimmy's tough. Jimmy's a tough guy. We saw yesterday, uh, you know, in fucking Miami, they're all real pissed at each other. Fucking, you got Spolstra throwing clipboards like I've never seen before. Uh, Jimmy ever fought someone? No, he's the biggest fake tough guy in the entire game. He's okay, a, I just wanted to make yeah. sure I wasn't. I was talking to somebody while I was hooping. Yeah, and they were like, "Oh, Jimmy was about to fuck him up," and I was like, "Was he though?" Yeah, no, Jimmy is probably the only person he's ever fought. He's probably fought off like Rachel Nichols or something. Um, but like, you know, I just think that, yeah, you know, like we and now we see in New York, like it is great that he got Julius to buy in last year. That's great. That is like that. I'm not minimizing that at all. By the way. I, Genuinely saying that is great. That is a great thing. Good job. Now, now can you get Julius at his, like he comes back this year? He is acting like a jackass. He's acting like a bully, as you described on the last pod we did together. He's just acting like a jackass, right? Like whatever the specifics of it, he's being an asshole. Can you get him in line? And if you can't, then like that this is your third time now. There's a third situation where you are struggling to control your proverbial star. And we can sit here and laugh and be like, yeah, Julius isn't LeBron James. That's the point though, right? It's like, yeah, he's not LeBron James. So what the fuck? You having trouble dealing with this guy? And like, if you're having trouble dealing with Julius, then like, I don't know, man, like what I'm going to trust. Like, so now we're saying like, for this to work, we need to get like some self-motivated star like that, that isn't going to like, that's just like self-motivated and isn't going to, you know, require him to manage his ego what constantly star, and What stuff? star has Tibbs properly managed as an ego who wasn't a child? Uh, none. I, I can't think of one. Exactly. Because, That's the, I mean, and we, it's and a lot easier to manage Derrick Rose MVP wonder, wonder child because he's 21 or 23 or whatever and ditto with Joakim Noah. But that shit is different, and it doesn't matter if you're talking 2005, 2015, or 2025, man. Like, I think people sleep on that with Tibbs. Like, it's he's in this weird in between place where he's he's rough on the kids, and that helps in a lot of ways when the minutes are okay, right? Like we've we've seen the kids on our team talk about Tibbs, and they're all happy with him, and I think they're earnest. You know, I'm sure they all wish to play more, but like in terms of getting the most out of them when they play, I think most of them are fine with tips. But when you're older, that shit don't fly, man. You can't like 
I don't know. Maybe that's why he's trying something else with Julius, trying to lay the fuck off and not do anything. Which is but that's fire. that's what that's what he does, though. I mean, yeah. he he generally just lays the fuck off, and that doesn't work. So, like to me, it's just I don't think he can do it. But like, if you wanted to say that's if we trade Julius, that's not going to be a concern for a while. Sure, fine. Like I, I'm I'm okay with that. Um, but I know one thing, and this is this has just been made so clear after watching these last couple games is like you cannot at any like there is no world where we can we should accept both julius and tibbs coming back next year that is like to me that would be a fireable offense for the front office i like genuinely mean that like i don't i don't care if you're telling me there's no market for julius then fire tibbs if you're telling me that that there is a market for julius then dump him i don't care i, I don't care you cannot play both of them together you just can't yeah or not play both of them you just can't have them together sorry yeah yeah i i i don't uh, when you posed that question to me before in uh, in a twitter dm i i think i agree i don't really have strong opinions one way or the other obviously ideally i think i would like to can them both i don't like the idea of trading low on julius for reasons i've articulated i think this is a mental health crisis, and I'm not saying the Knicks have to solve it. If they decide, fuck this shit, someone else's problem, totally get that. But if they decide, like, well, let's get him right, get him some space, get him a new coach, blah, 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 a point guard, and a psychiatrist, whatever, weed, whatever he needs, coke, I don't care. Like, <laughs> then I could get that too. Maybe not coke, but, um, <laughs> like, yeah, I having both is... is I don't think you're going to see a bounce back. And um, this is as good as any. I'm going to hijack the hosting here and transition to the article that Jerome Weitzman wrote, which didn't really have that much new information. It was another kind of like one of it's another article in the same vein as the Jake Fisher article, where the season has gone off the rails, has gone unexpectedly. Tibbs and, and the front office are disagreeing on things. Right. The, there's a disagreement between Tibbs and the front office and other people also, like you and me, notice these things. This one was a little bit less sourced. Um, if, if, you'll, if listeners will recall, the Fisher article had quite a few sources, none of them in the Knicks front office, except for one source with thoughts about Leon's thinking. But like most of them were opposing GM this or exec this or coach that or whatever. This one uh, was more of the same, um, not too much in the way of internal sourcing and not too much new information, except for like Dolan being a little peeved. And uh, what was the other, what was the second new bit? I did a tweet about this. Um, Blah, 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 scrolling, scrolling. Anyway, my point is like, this probably, here's my question. I'm just going to throw this out there. We know that a lot of the sources were not necessarily, maybe, I don't know if they were in Tibbs' camp or not for the Fisher article, but like clearly aligned with Tibbs. Seemed that way, even though quantity wise, there were less sources in, in this Jerome Weissman article. But why go so hard unless you were going to get canned? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he's going to get canned. It's possible. Like, I I would like to think that's at least a possibility. Um, after I just explained for 20 minutes why I love Tom Thibodeau and I want him back. Um, no, I, I don't love Tom Thibodeau, and I don't necessarily want him back. I just think there's a world where he could come back and it'd be okay after watching the last couple of games. Um, but I I don't know. Oh, I read Real quick, real quick, real quick. I, I remembered the other thing. So the other new nugget was, and it's not even that cool of a nugget, was like high-ranking members of the front office told friends around the league that those struggles were results of Tibbs not deploying Fournier and Walker properly. So that's basically code language for Wes telling people that he doesn't think Tibbs is doing a good job, which we already knew. Uh, I don't know what Tibbs could have really done with Walker to make that work. Um, I do know what Tibbs could have done with Fournier, and I've talked about it a lot, so I'm not going to go over that again. So, yeah, Kemba's yeah, just I, cooked. Kemba's yeah, just cooked, Kemba, and the front Kemba office cooked. just got to eat that. This is what yeah, the front office got to eat that one. Um, sorry, Wes. Uh, you're probably boys in Kemba, so uh, scratch that one as a minus in your column. Um, but, yeah, anyway, like I, it just seems so weird. Like This is clearly end-of-season shit, clearing the deck. And it's weird because we know, so we know, we also know from the Fisher article that 
Dolan gave the front office the leeway to keep or can Tibbs. So I know we also said that the sentiment seems to be that they're going to keep Tibbs. So it, it, it's just, I, it's kind of confusing. And it leads me, it, it maybe I'm just, I have confirmation bias and think I'm smarter than I am. But on the last pod, I was saying like, what if the way the end of the season shakes out, the front office just decides, oh, yeah, our sentiment was before that we'll give him a shot next year, but we've changed our mind. Too bad, Tibbs. And then, you know, to me, these games prove that shit. I mean, we knew it, but it's more proof that, like, you didn't have to do things the way you did. You're the one who bandied around your malcontent star and didn't do anything to create the culture, right? How many times did people want to throw that buzzword around in his favor before? You better throw that shit against him now, not just put it on Julius, right? Don't pick your spots. So, like, I really think this is him just kicking shit over on the way out, man. I if I'm if I had to guess, I would say this season's gonna wrap up. I don't think Julius. I think it'll if he goes. I think it's worded as like a mutual parting. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Like it'll it'll go as a mutual parting, and I'm sure we'll get more fucking bullshit from his camp leaking forever. And we know he's not above that. He has he snipes the front office publicly and he has yeah, I gotta everyone from Jeff Van Gundy to Jake Fisher to other people I, I, I like gotta, sourced up. I gotta say this too. So there's been a lot of like pushback on oh the front office needing to answer questions, the front office um, you know, they didn't get him a point guard, they didn't do this, the Julius thing, they shouldn't have extended him, they didn't whatever okay, fine. All, let's just say all of these criticisms are fair game. Fine. Okay. Let's let's look back at this. Last year, when she was good. Who got all the credit? It wasn't the front office. The front office didn't get that much credit, to be honest. I don't. I don't remember any Leon Rose executive of the year calls. I don't remember anything like that. No, it was all Tibbs has gotten this team to overachieve, play above their talent level, make the playoffs. Guys are developing. Julius All NBA. Like they, everybody else got the kudos. All those guys got the kudos. Every single one. Every single one. All of them went. The only people that were crediting the front office were basically like. Knicks fans mostly like I would say like that's it like I don't I don't remember any national praise for what they did and and I'm not saying it necessarily deserved it either but like there wasn't any all the praise from national and local media like and I'm talking about traditional media I'm not talking about like us podcasters I'm talking about local media all of that shit that was from like that was all Tibbs and Julius Randle and maybe some for you know Reggie Bullock and fucking RJ Barrett whatever it was um, the difference, like now, and and here's the other thing, right? The front office, they went out. Yeah, maybe they didn't do what Tibbs wanted them to do, like get Marcus Morris and pay Gordon Hayward a bunch of fucking money. They didn't do all the all those things that he wanted them to do. Which you know, whatever that is, what it is. So, if you want to criticize them for that, or not even criticize, that's just what it is. They didn't do, it. but they did go out. They did get him Derrick Rose. He wanted that. They went out and got him Derrick Rose. Okay? You should be happy about that. They brought back Todd Gibson. Right? They did that. Okay? These are the things they did. Then they bring those two back this offseason. They bring back Alec Burks. They bring back Nerlens Noel. They bring back... Uh, why can't I think of one of their guys? Nerlens. Yeah. They bring back Nerlens Noel. And and they signed Evan Fournier. Who? Their number one meeting. Yeah. Which, let's say, at the very least, I think we can say with some confidence, Tibbs was... He was on board with that signing. I'm not saying he was pushing for it, but he was definitely on board with it. He was good with that signing. Okay? So the one thing they did that he did not want them to do, that we unequivocally can say he did not want them to do, is the Kemba Walker one. And and as we already said, they have to eat that. That's on them. I won't I won't put that on tips. Signing him, however he was deployed, and even how he was deployed, like ultimately, like he kind of had to play him a little bit at least. Um whatever. That's on the front office, however you want to parse that. Everything else is shit that Tibbs was cool with. And I promise you Tibbs was very cool with them extending Julius Randle. There's no way he was sitting there after last year like, you know what? That was was the easiest, quickest conversation the front office has ever had. (laughs) Yeah, like, he was obviously cool with them doing that. And and so, like, we're acting like they didn't done anything for him. And I think that's patently bullshit. I think that's complete bullshit. And it divorces him from any responsibility as a head coach. Um, if you want to say Julius has been an asshole and that's been tough on Tibbs and yeah, that is tough on Tibbs, but guess what? That's coaching guys are assholes. Sometimes this is a sport where guys make 
like, I mean, they make 10, 20 times more than a head coach. Guess what happens? You, I want you. I want you to think about how you would treat your boss if you were getting paid more than 10, 10 times more than him. I promise you, you would not be sitting there fucking telling him you're going to come in on Saturdays. All right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, th- that's not how it works. You make more than him, then you, then you as a coach, you have to figure out, like, how do I still exert authority over these players without, like, you know, within that context? That's hard. A lot of guys can't do it. Like, if Tibbs can't do it or he can't do it for a long period of time or he needs certain types of players, that's just a limitation of him as a coach. That's fine. But, like, the reality is he did not do it this year with Julius, and he didn't, and, and, He's been a bad coach this year. So the whole like front office, like I don't care how much you want to blame them. Pretending that like Tibbs deserves no blame or like we can't judge him because he doesn't have a point guard or whatever. Like all that stuff is just bullshit. It's nonsense. It doesn't it it literally doesn't make sense when you think about it fundamentally. Like they didn't like oh, they didn't do enough for him. He wanted all these fucking guys back and he wanted Reggie Bullock. So like he basically like he was happy with their offseason, other than they didn't bring back Reggie Bullock. That's basically his issue with offseason. Like, give me a break, you know? Um, so whatever. But, I mean, yeah, going back to this article, um, yeah, I, I think I, I, I enjoyed the part of the article where we once again learned that Emmanuel quickly has zero potential to be a starting point guard, and uh, we desperately need to sign Jalen Brunson, who is, you know, mana from heaven and literally the, the one true point guard to, to save the Knicks or something. Um, but, like, you know, yeah, I think this is a little bit of Tibbs leak. I think this is definitely Tibbs leaking it. But the point I was trying to make initially is that when all this shit was going good, all these praise and all this stuff, it was coming from the, it wasn't even coming from anywhere within the organization. National media and local media were praising Tibbs and all this stuff. Now shit hits the fan, okay? And it doesn't even really hit the fan. Like, really, on the scale of bad mixed seasons, this barely registers anywhere. Like, there's still, like, good stuff happening with young players, and we're going to get a lottery pick. Like, it's fine. It's not that bad of a Knicks season. Um, but, like, you're trying to tell me Leon Rose and World Wide West and Brock Aller, who, like, has, like, two public photographs of himself that you could Google, maybe. Like, you're trying to tell me that these guys are now, like, constantly leaking things out in the in the media and, and they're trying to, like... These guys have never... Like, Leon and West have never... They've, like, worked their entire careers behind the scenes. Like, they've never been out in front of shit. I know that Tom Thibodeau in, in Chicago had a bunch of stuff leak. That was not him. That, that, that was not just him. That was also the front office there. But we've seen it here. We've also seen that happen in Minnesota. Like, and now, like, at some point, if it keeps happening with this guy, it's probably him. Like, he's probably involved in some way. And yeah, maybe Leon West are leaking shit that, that we're just, I'm naively dismissing. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.